13 to 1400 people a day were dying from COVID and everyone was freaking out. Like it was a lot, that's a lot of people per day to be dying of something. Everyone was freaking out. The government was like, this is crazy, like lockdowns, we need to deal with this. But what I think is so fucking interesting is that's how many people a day are dying from heart disease and the government isn't saying shit a day Amen. and it's been going on. It hasn't, it's not just like COVID that was like a peak for a couple months here, a couple months there. This has been going on for years. It's like hundred people a day are dying from heart disease, a fucking day. And you don't see anyone in our government even batting an eye about this. Hey guys, I am absolutely stoked about this episode. We are all about to experience. It's about those inconvenient truths, all the things people don't want to face, including periods, those lovely taboo subjects that we so often cover on Face Your Shit, Heal Yourself. And it really goes back to my experience with Endo, realizing that all healing starts with getting real starts with being authentic and facing our truth, facing ourselves, honoring our body. And it's ultimately because of that willingness that we find our freedom and that we find and claim ourselves. But the question is, how do you know what's fact or fiction in health? How do you begin healing the root cause of painful periods versus symptom treating within the pharma business model? That is exactly what we're talking about today on this very special period liberation protocol episode. But before we do that, I would love for you guys to share this show by rating it on Apple or Spotify. I'm hosting this show because after unraveling all of the medical lies I had been told about endometriosis and facing my own shit, I educated myself and I was able to heal myself. Whether it's endo or any other painful disorder labeled as chronic, we expose the lesser known solutions and practices that can heal your mind, body, and your spirit. And of course, I made and I continue to make an ongoing art series about this whole experience titled Every Phase, powerfully illustrating how I healed myself living by the phases of the female cycle and Freudian rhythm clock. You can follow the series by subscribing at MeredithOchoa.com. Even though I was lied to for years by doctors promoting Big Pharma, I was able to find experts and practices who helped me achieve what I thought would be impossible. That is why I created this show, and this show introduces those people and practices to you. Today, we are chatting with my endo warrior sister, seasoned chef, holistic nutrition and health coach, and creator of the Period Liberation Protocol, Chef Bay. She's classically trained at Le Cordon Bleu in San Francisco. She uses her culinary expertise to create rich flavors with clean and nourishing ingredients. She is an advocate for people with chronic health ailments, She's an animal welfare and an environmental advocate. Her own plant-based journey started with her desire to heal her own chronic pain from an 18-year battle with endometriosis after exhausting all other options. She then furthered her studies with a certification in plant-based nutrition from T. Colin Campbell, Center for Nutrition Studies, and is a certified health coach from Institute for Integrative Nutrition, or IIN. Bailey now hosts virtual corporate wellness classes around the globe, develops recipes for brands, and works with individuals and families looking to heal through food. Last year, she and her husband, Steve, taught over 20,000 people in their corporate wellness program about the healing power of food. She also released her first cookbook, Cook, Heal, Go Vegan, which became a number one Amazon bestseller in 2021. Be sure to tune in to her rapidly growing podcast, The Plant Remedy Podcast, featuring interviews on plant-based living with world-renowned chefs, doctors, and entrepreneurs, getting real about controversial topics like reversing diseases through a plant-based diet, hormonal health, psychedelic, and so much more. All right, Chef Bay, this is such a special episode. I am so stoked to have you here. My endo warrior sister, how the hell are you? 
I'm doing good. It's so funny. Living in San Diego, we're always talking about the weather because we don't really get much weather. So if there's any little bit of weather, it's like this big thing. But we had this like crazy tropical storm last night. And I didn't really sleep much because it was, I literally felt like our house was just going to fall over. It was like so windy and so rainy. And I'm just like looking outside. Now the sun's shining like in every bit. Yeah, it was awesome. I was like, wow, this was great. Well, I'm glad your house didn't fall over and mm-hmm. that you could meet with me today. Yeah. So, yeah. Same. <laughs> So let's dive right in for those that don't know you and your work, which is fucking amazing. Thank you. What? You're welcome. (laughs) What inspired you to begin cooking in this way, cooking for your cycle and using food as your medicine? I mean, it was pretty much like I had no other choice, you know, like I exhausted all other options. So as a professional chef, I was really eating like all the foods that were making me the most sick and I didn't really realize it for forever. You know, like when I first went to culinary school is when I had really bad endometriosis symptoms all throughout high school, but it was all undiagnosed at the time. And then in culinary school, I remember gaining like 30 pounds and my symptoms were nuts. They were just like out of control. And I just thought, you know, everyone told me that it was just normal. It's just like part of being a woman. It's like, blah, blah, blah. And throughout my cooking career in San Francisco, my symptoms just got worse and worse and worse to the point where I had to move home with my parents in my mid-20s, which was such an ego shock for anyone. And I just kept going to specialist after specialist. So no one had any answers for me. And so at that point, I had tried like surgeries and pills and IUDs and arm implants and, you know, been put on like early menopause, but just like the craziest, like literally I was felt like a little test. I mean, they were just trying everything they could. And everything was just making it worse, honestly. Like nothing was helping. I think there's also this rhetoric where it's like birth control is the only thing that's going to help, but like it didn't really help. Maybe it made my cycle more regular or maybe it made me have a little bit less pain, which I don't remember there being less pain. But what I do remember is like all the other side effects on top of having endometriosis, which is just like unbearable. So it really just became, okay, well, if... Western medicine is not going to help me at all after like exploring this for 15 years, then I'm going to try something else. And so that's when I went to back to school at IIN to become a certified health coach. And that was a really big eye opener for me at the time because, you know, I had paid over $100,000 for my culinary arts and hospitality management degree. And I didn't know shit about food. (laughs) I didn't know. You know, I mean, I'm like great at food science and like how to cook and wine making and cheese making and like making, I could make a million croissants, but you know, I could manage a restaurant, but I didn't really have a grasp of where food came from and the chemicals that are on our food and like how fucked up dairy is for us as women. And so, I mean, men too, honestly, let's be real. And, uh, you know, so that was just kind of like my intro to learning just about you know, all the different diets that could help you. I was still in a very exploratory time at that point. So I was trying like, you know, my biggest goal at that point was like to get rid of all refined sugar, to get rid of heavily processed oils like canola oil and palm oil and to go gluten-free. That was my big thing was like, oh, I'm going to be gluten-free and I'm going to be healthy and eating as many whole foods as I can. But I was still eating like lots of dairy and meat. And then eventually as everyone knows now, I'm like a hardcore vegan. But that, you know, came over time with lots of learning and education. And yeah, just realizing that, you know, we're just being fucking lied to all the time. And just realizing that it's up to us to unlearn and relearn how to fuel our bodies with actual food, because a lot of what's on the shelves isn't even food. So I think I answered the question. Yeah, I mean, it's such a great way to put it. A lot of what's on the shelves isn't even food. And it's maybe going to sustain you, but it's really, you know, just a funnel into the system and into the business of medicine instead of actually healing the root cause. I love what you said about, because I totally relate to being forced to 
really like yeah. you have no other choice. It's like the silver lining a little bit mm-hmm. of endo that it forces you to answer this calling of like, hey, this is some trauma or this is some shit that you have here that you need to face. It is traumatic. It's so interesting because, you know, we talk about just like all the things that women go through and having endometriosis specifically, but it's also everything that can come with it, like having PCOS, like having Freud's, having infertility. The whole experience of having not just an autoimmune disease, but even having an autoimmune disease is traumatic because no one really knows how to treat you. There are a few doctors who are like becoming much like very much experts in the field and can really help or talk to them at this point. But, you know, when you're just going off of your own insurance and who's in your network and who's close to where you live, it's traumatic. There's no one there's no one there that really a understands what you're going through. And B, like really has answers for you. And so you're, you end up trying all these things, getting poked and prodded. The amount of intervaginal ultrasounds that I've had done by people who don't know what they're doing and don't know what they're looking for. And it's just a very vulnerable position. You know, like I Mm. almost died from my IUD. It caused like massive internal bleeding and my uterus was trying to cramp it through my uterus instead of down the other way because it pinched a nerve or something. And After they had to literally scrape it out of my uterus with no anesthesia, nothing, they asked me to put in another one. You know, it was just like, it's just traumatic. And it's so crazy because I hear thousands of stories from people with periods and women and has the same experience. And that's the thing that's so just icky Mm -hmm. to me that like all just being poked and prodded. And I don't know, like it's just it sucks, you know, and it is super traumatic. And I feel for anyone out there who's like really had to go through it or if you know someone that does because it's such a helpless feeling and it's yeah, it's trauma for sure. And it's like really unlearning that way of medicine and becoming really empowered as your own health advocate and not letting anyone touch you unless you both fully agree and have faith of what's going to come out of whatever procedure is being done next. Yeah. And that is the gift, really, at the end. Sovereignty, you know, like your health and taking responsibility. It's just the road there doesn't have to be paved with as much suffering and as much kind of deceit as it is now. So really, for the women that are out there right now in pain, what would you say was the most significant for you in helping you heal from endo? Yeah, I think the most significant thing was my mindset, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I used to always say I'm at war with my body, like all the time. And I used to always talk about how I like feel like I'm 90. You know, I'd be like, fuck, I'm like 25, but I feel old. I'm old. I'm an old lady, you know? And I would say, oh, I'm an old soul and blah, blah, blah. But I think what it really came down to is I was just tired. And, you know, my mindset was not helping. And, you know, it's hard to change your mindset too. Like when you feel like shit, when you're in pain, chronic pain is like a really real problem. <laughs> really hard to just be like, I know I'm a positive person, but, you know, changing your mindset as something as simple as saying I am healing over and over again until you believe it can be super powerful because changing your mindset is also going to give you the courage to educate mm-hmm. yourself. It's going to give you the courage to you know, maybe ask questions that you wouldn't have asked before. And it's going to give you the courage to seek out help from people that might not be that first person on your medical, on your insurance provider list, or Mm -hmm. even challenging your doctors, you know, because I think at the end of the day, what the system needs is all of us challenging our doctors and these beliefs because, you know, they're doing the best that they can with what they have. And that's something that I've really noticed too is also a mindset shift as I used to think that they were against me, against us. And of course, the system, the way that the system built it is, but I don't believe that doctors are, you know, doctors get into the field of medicine to help people and they're just doing the best with what they have. And so I think if we can like all work together to educate and demand better options, then we can give these medical professionals a platform to be better for us and learn more for us and seek out resources in order to do that, you know? So I really do think that mindset can change everything because it can make you feel like you're not alone as well, you know, make you feel more powerful. It can make you feel like that boss bitch that you need, you know, that like inner boss bitch that you need in order to heal and get the answers that you need. And it can really help you 
get out of the like self-victimizing mindset, you know, because it's hard not to feel like a victim when you are in a situation like this. And it's not just with endometriosis. I see it Mm -hmm. with diabetes patients. I see it with, you know, if you have any chronic health condition, like even acne, you know, like even chronic Mm -hmm. acne, like Accutane, for instance, like you feel like a victim in the situation because you feel like you don't have a lot of options. And so you're going for these really aggressive medical procedures or really aggressive prescriptions. And of course, there are prescriptions that save lives. There's traumatic, you know, medical procedures that save lives. And I'm not discounting that, but I am saying that, you know, there are other options. There's like a lot of other options to explore as well. And, you know, getting out of that victim mindset can really open your eyes and seeing that there's a whole big wide world out there of choices for you. Exactly. So important. Education is key in Mm -hmm. empowering yourself and knowing that's out there. And that's something that I certainly wish, you know, I had to dig probably just like you for the information that we now is commonplace in lives about right. the fact that we're living on a man's clock and we have a totally different hormone. No one knows this. As women, it's not taught in schools. It's not taught in health. It's not, you know, these like really just what should be really commonplace or really just like factual. This is how your body works. This is where the clitoris is. This is what the labia is. This, I mean, many women haven't even seen like their own vagina, their own parts, their own anatomy. And most people are calling everything by the wrong name. So it's so important to shine a light on this, exactly like you said. And the kind of bought and paid for science and diet culture. Let's talk about that. What do you wish more people understood about all that marketing and all the mythology around endometriosis and food? Man, how much time do you have? (laughs) Girl, we've got as much time as everyone needs to face their shit. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, man, diet culture is something else, huh? Like, I, you know, I personally have suffered, still suffer, still am dealing with my own brain, you know, my own view of myself, but with body dysmorphia because of all the surgeries that I've had, because of the intense weight fluctuations I've had over the years, being on all of these different hormones and changing my diet and like doing all these things. And I think that, you know, we live in a world of restricting and binging and being on pills and, you know, it's like, the diet culture in itself is so toxic to us as women and people with periods because we're not looking at eating for our cycle. We're looking at eating for how we look. And I think something that's really helped me over the years is really focusing on how I feel versus like how I look or how I fit into a pair of jeans. And this has actually been something that I've been dealing with personally myself as well as like just body image. I'm in my 30s now. And so my body is naturally just like changing. You know, your body just changes, your hips change, like everything changes. And just really like being at peace with that. Because, you know, I think in the culture and the society that we're in, my brain, I think it's like also being a millennial. Like I listened to Tank's podcast. I don't know if you follow Tank's, but she had this podcast about like why millennials suffer with body image so much. And it just makes so much sense from all the old tabloids, you know, Britney Spears and Paris Hilton and all the old reality shows. And like all of this just crazy diet culture that's been like pushed on us. And, you know, my old thinking would be like, oh my gosh, I've gained like 10 pounds. I'm going to like restrict and work out like crazy in order to fit back into that pair of jeans. And like recently, I'm really trying to rewire my brain to be like, what's the most supportive thing for my cycle, for my endo? And like for myself, what's going to make me feel the best? Because honestly, being so sore that I can't walk for three months is not going to make me feel the best. And it's also not going to be supportive of my cycle either. And, you know, the coolest thing that I've started doing is working out in relation to my cycle. I'm all my phases. So I'm not going to do a super intense HIIT workout during my luteal phase. It's like I'm going to have the worst period ever if I do that. Mm -hmm. And so like really just like moving gently with yourself and with how like the hormones that are going through your body and how much energy you really have can be super supportive and literally just let diet culture fly out of our brains when it comes to working out at least. So, I mean, I think like my big aha moment when I came to bought and paid for science was regarding the dairy industry 
and regarding mm-hmm. a lot of these like keto diets and oh, man, yeah, there's, you know, so I have a breaking up with dairy series on TikTok that I'm turning into something else really amazing. You know, stay tuned. I can't announce it yet, but stay tuned. And when I started learning really intensely about the dairy industry, I started really realizing like how much the dairy industry is in bed with the government. Like you really look at something like the dairy checkoff program. It's something that was created so that we can make sure that people are consuming X amount of dairy so that we can support the dairy industry, not so that the dairy industry can support people. It's the opposite. And it's really interesting when you look at like the rise of the dairy industry, because it was like a kind of an accident. Like we had all of this leftover milk powder from World War II. And so we were like, what are we going to do with this milk powder? And so for, you know, the baby boomers, my parents' generation, they started putting it in all of these TV dinners and processed foods and infant formulas and all that stuff. So what happened was people started drinking tons of milk because they were like, oh my gosh, we need milk. And then that's when like all of the milk advertisements started coming out because they were trying to get rid of this like surplus of low fat milk and milk powder that was from the war. And then from that low fat milk need, then there became all of this waste milk fat byproduct which in turn was cheese, right? And then so cheese became this thing that was like, well, let's turn this into a health food. Let's turn this into something that everyone needs. And people started realizing, these scientists started realizing that people get addicted to cheese. Cheese is addicting. Milk is addicting. Like it just physically is addicting. And so it's became this huge push to try to get everyone drinking X amount of milk every single day to the point And I forget the statistic, God, I wish I had it, but it's like in the hundreds of millions of dollars, the dairy industry spends lobbying in the government every single year. Like it's literally insane. I even think it might be in the billions. I have to, God, I wish I had the statistic right now. But part of that lobbying and part of those hundreds of millions of dollars that go into lobbying goes into bought and paid for science. Because if you really think about science, like a scientist that has like an inkling or is inspired to study and research something. So what could inspire someone to study and research something? Cash, right? Lots of money. So if a dairy industry is going to be like, hey, we want you to look at, you know, bone density and milk and, you know, nudge, make sure it comes out on top for us so we can say that milk makes your bones strong. And it's just the perfect example of bought and paid for science, because when you really look at those studies, if you look at who paid for it, it's usually the Dairy Farmers Association of America or as part of the dairy checkoff program. And so what you're not seeing is like the increased risk of breast cancer, prostate cancer, infertility, um, triosis, PCOS, all of these things that come with consuming dairy in your diet. And it's just really interesting. And the other part of what I was going to say is like when you look at this lobbying and this paid for science, it affects everything. So it also affects the freaking food pyramid or the my plate or whatever they're doing now, saying that like dairy is a necessary part of a healthy diet. And it's literally not. If you just stopped eating dairy today, not only would you be better off for it, your gut would feel better, your skin would be better, like you would lose weight if you needed to lose weight, like you would feel better. But like you would be fine. It's not like you need dairy to survive. And what the government is pushing is you need this. You need this for a healthy diet. It's pushing this rhetoric so that the dairy industry survives. And, you know, God, I forget his name, but there is a doctor who is headlining. It's like the Physicians Committee of America or something like that. And it's him and 2,700. I hope all my numbers are right right now. If they're not, I'm sorry. Or really, mm-hmm. he's, you know, in charge of this doctor's committee for America or whatever. And there's 2,700 physicians who are basically going to Washington and being like, you need to put dairy off of your dietary nutritional guidelines. Because even taking out everything that we're talking about when it comes to endo, PCOS, infertility, all that stuff, if you look at like the heart disease, like it is in heart disease and diabetes, like it is an epidemic. It is so freaking crazy how many people are suffering and sick with heart disease and type 2 diabetes specifically when we have these dietary recommendations that come from a funded source people are obviously super confused on 
what they should be eating because they have trust in the government. They have faith in the fact that, okay, well, obviously our government is going to like, you know, if Michelle Obama is over here saying this is the plate, like you should be eating this and it's okay, yeah, let's do it. Like, I totally believe this. People aren't really like digging as deep as I'm digging to be like, well, who's paying for this? Like, why is this on here? You know, and just back to heart disease. Like when we were looking at, I found this to be so interesting when we went through COVID, right? When it was peak COVID times, I think it was something around, again, my numbers, but like around 13 to 1400 people a day were dying from COVID and everyone was freaking out. Like it was a lot. That's a lot of people per day to be dying of something. Everyone was freaking out. The government was like, this is crazy. Like lockdowns, you know, we need vaccines. We need to deal with this. But what I think is so fucking interesting is that's how many people a day are dying from heart disease and the government isn't saying shit a day. And it's been going on. It hasn't. It's not just like COVID. That was like a peak for a couple months here, a couple months there. This has been going on for years. It's like 100 people a day are dying from heart disease a fucking day. And you don't see anyone in our government even batting an eye about this. One was talking about the deaths of the pandemic. And I just find Mm -hmm. it really interesting because how quickly they came out with the vaccine and now everyone's on the vaccine and it's, oh, it's fine now, you know? Mm -hmm. Just really interesting, you know, like, and I'm not also saying I'm anti-vax. I don't know what I believe. I got the vaccine. Like, I'm just floating around the universe like everyone else taking the information as it comes to me. Like, you really do have to think about that when you listen to government dietary guidelines of what their motivation is. And per that point, when you're looking on Instagram and you're following people who are like super into the carnivore diet, super into very, you know, people love reasons to do things that are bad for them. So like they're going to find supporting science or supporting studies or supporting videos that go along with like why this, you know, makes sense. Like the amount of arguments I get into, not arguments, but discussions I get into people who say that tofu causes breast cancer. I'm just like, you guys. It is a different mm-hmm. kind of estrogen. Whoever is telling you this is literally just trying to fear monger you for some fucking bizarre reason. I feel like tofu is like the least of everyone's problems right now, you know, mm-hmm. but you really have to look at like why this person's speaking the way that they are. Why? What are they profiting on? Are they selling a course? What's the deal? And like, where yeah. is the science? Who is paying for the science or who are their mentors and who is paying them? And I think. You know, the thing that's really interesting is people talk about vegan propaganda. It's not really a thing, you know, like I think the whole plant-based movement came about because people started reading unbiased research and realizing like, hey, like eating way more fiber is actually so much better for you. You know, getting rid of saturated Mm -hmm. fat and cholesterol is so much better for you. Hey, all the chemicals and like pharmaceuticals that are in meat and dairy is actually like really harmful to your health as a woman. You know, there's a lot of things that are coming off of this unbiased research, which is why I got to where I am today, because I finally, because when I first, back to your first question, when I first started Mm -hmm. doing all of this deep diving for myself, I was like, well, all of this research is funded. You know, even when Mm -hmm. I was at school and I was looking at like the paleo diet and I was looking at eating goat's milk cheese instead of, you know, dairy cheese, which I was doing for a long time. But who's funding the research? You know, even I get into arguments with dietitians on the internet because they're always mad. Mm -hmm. They're always mad. But I'm like, who funded your schooling? Like you were like your schooling is part of big pharma. So you also have to think about who's funding that. And I've gotten had some really great, I'm not like hating on dietitians at all. I have friends who are dietitians, but I'm just saying we have to be able to Mm -hmm. take a step back and look at things you know, differently. And do I think that the whole world should be vegan? I mean, yeah. Do I think it's possible? No. But I do think mm-hmm. like it's hard to argue with the fact that eating mostly plants is bad for you. Correct. And really thinking <clears throat> for yourself and deciding for yourself, but based on facts. And facts don't have feelings. Mm-hmm. Facts don't have the marketing and the fluff. You know, lies need people to believe in them to exist. Mm-hmm. The truth doesn't need anything. And so these facts about health don't need the marketing. They don't need commercials. They don't need like someone promoting them. It's just they're always going to be that way. And when you do it, you'll feel it. And so I think that yeah. I love, love, love everything you said. And it's really just, especially going back to, your body and diet culture and eating, like, how do you feel? 
How do you feel when you're eating this? Are you feeling like you're a prisoner in your own body? Are you feeling inflamed? Are you feeling like trapped and this isn't you? That's a sign. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. It's like listening and tuning into what am I eating and how am I feeling? I love, love that you said that. And I also think, you know, I want to say getting away from labels, too, because I know that like the label of veganism can be super overwhelming to some people. And I know like vegans in general can just be really harsh on the Internet. So like I understand why people have some sort of feeling about veganism. And I think it's more about what you're fill- you're filling your plate with, you know. So even this is what I tell my clients all the time. It's even if you still want to eat meat or you like want to have a little bit of dairy, like Think of it as a condiment, you know, start by putting like an abundance of fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, legumes on your plate and then having a little bit of meat and a little bit of dairy or really focus on eliminating processed foods first or really focusing on eliminating sugar or eliminating like refined sugar or eliminating, you know, there's steps that you can take that's going to make you feel so much better. And that's honestly going to have an impact as well on yourself, on the environment, on the world around you. By that you don't have to go all the way vegan. You know, you could try having three plant-based meals a week by getting rid of refined sugar. It's not really an all or nothing, but it's like really about taking that next step. It's really going to help you open up your mind into what the step after that could be for you. And I think that's the most important thing to remember because it can be so overwhelming when you first get started. I mean, it was for me. I'm sure it Mm -hmm. is for everyone. And so it's just about taking that first step. And maybe your diet's not going to look 100% vegan or it's not going to look like what I'm eating or what you're eating. But Mm -hmm. if you can, again, go with what feels really good for you and go in a way that like practices ethics and practices, you know, just mindfulness about what you're eating, then overall, we're going to have a much better food system if all of us were able to think like this, even if everyone's not totally vegan or not totally plant-based or hasn't fully given up dairy. We can really start with being mindful and like putting in like little bits of effort, like one meal at a time, one foot at a time. Like, I really think like, we can make like really radical, amazing change. But it's about yeah. getting rid of, you know, it's, oh, I'm a carnivore. Like, I only eat meat. Like, these <laughs> labels aren't doing anything for anyone. And I would agree it's the same with vegan because I know some people <laughs> have anxiety being vegan or there's, you know, a vegan influencer who like ate a piece of fish and then someone took a picture of her and then ruined her life, you know, because I like that's I won't say who it is, but like that specific yeah. influencer. It's, dude, give her a break. You know, like she had a piece of fish at a restaurant. Sure, she preaches veganism, but it's also like she's a human being in a very complicated world. And now she has to come out as being like a carnivore, like just leave yeah. her alone. You know, these labels aren't doing anything for anyone either. And I just think that, you know, moving forward with mindfulness is like the best way to go yeah absolutely totally agree so speaking of those steps that you were talking about I'm really curious about your period liberation protocol and I'd love for you to share also about your work with Elix too yeah totally I became friends with Lulu and Nicole was like her co-founder. She doesn't work for Elix anymore. But when they were called period pain-free and they were like just starting out and they were testing all the things, it was like three or four years ago. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Let's go. I think this is like right before I had my last surgery. And it was before I was ever vegan. It was like four years ago, five years ago, because I'm going to be vegan for five years in a couple of weeks, which is exciting. But I've just loved their... I've absolutely loved their approach to women's wellness and people who with periods like they're just so inclusive. And, you know, Lulu just hosted the first ever clinical trial for a natural remedy for menstrual pains. And it went really well for her. And like she had amazing results from it. And it's just so cool to say that Elix is clinically tested, which is so just like something that does not happen in the natural supplements world. And so I'm super excited for her. And I've been working with them for a long time. But as far as the protocol was essentially something that I created after going through all of this. And, you know, I've been working with clients one-on-one. And I was just like, I need to come up with something that's affordable that, you know, me six years ago would benefit from. Because I just think that it's ridiculous of all the 
all of the research that I had to do and the digging. And I literally had to start a podcast in order to talk to the doctors that I had to talk to. Yes. You know, not all these, not people just don't have this kind of time and resources and can create their entire career about their pain and suffering, you know? So I was like, Same. yeah, literally, I was like, I need to just create a protocol that someone can follow that can help them identify their root cause. I can help them learn how to talk to their doctor that can help them find functional blood work that can get sent to their home. That can be a 28 day like meal plan regarding every single one of your cycles. Like I just need to create the thing that I wish that I had. And so that's exactly what I did. So it goes through all of those things that I just talked about, including talking about our detox organs, detoxing all the chemicals that are in our homes. Cause that's something that, you know, was like a slow discovery for me on top of food, but it was also like all the chemicals that are in our makeup, hair care products, our cleaning products, you know, like over the, it's so interesting. I'm always like doing experiments on myself, but over the pandemic, you know, when everything was being bleached all the time and everyone's using hand sanitizer, my endo was out of control. And I'm sure that it was also like the chronic stress I was experiencing from like the global lockdown. But like my endo was out of control. And one of the biggest things that was different is that we were buying, you know, harsh chemicals to clean all the COVID off everything, you know, like everyone else was. And, you know, wearing a mask all the time, all that stuff. But so it was just like a big re-eye opener for me where I was like, yeah, this is work. Like this works. If you work the protocol, it freaking works. And so part of that is like going through all of your makeup products, all of your lotions, all of your shampoo and hair oil and air fresheners and fragrances and like all of that stuff and getting all of that out of your home because the things that you can't really control are the things outside of your home but you can control what's happening inside your home for the most part and it's not necessarily okay you got to get rid of it all and restock but we basically go Mm -hmm. through a list of what's the most toxic what to get rid of right now and then what you can replace like when you need to re- refill. So we go through that. And then we also talk about your detox pathways and how to open up your detox pathways so that you can get rid of like, a you know, built up toxins in your body without ever doing a juice cleanse or anything like that. Like how to really harness detoxing every single day. And yeah, it's just pretty amazing. I love it. It has like over four hours of video trainings and there's like meal plans and all that stuff. and. It's been amazing. We have wow. people from all over the world in the protocol right now. And I'm going to host it live in the beginning of the year so we can all go through it together, which is cool. Wow. That sounds so fucking awesome. Even for anyone that yeah. at any point on your journey in healing, mm-hmm. even if you are like, I'm like, oh, wow, I would do that. And I've experienced minimal to no pain and I've healed myself of endo. But still, it's a journey. It's a never ending like, oh, maybe I could do this way. I just started making my own body scrubs. And it's like really liberating to do that. And you feel like the difference and the connectedness in your skin and the fact that you made that whole Mm -hmm. new way of cosmetology, of everything. That's awesome that you have that resource. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's nice that it's all out there, too, because it was in my mind forever, you know, and I was talking about on the podcast, you know, alluding to it. And I was like, you know, getting thousands of DMs from people experiencing endometriosis, PCOS, adenomosis, you know, infertility. And I'm like, I just need to put this all out there so that people can just have it, you know, and then experience that. So. I do have a free training if someone's like really interested in it, but they like want to learn more. I have a free training. You can just, I'll give you the the link, but it's chefbay.kitchen forward slash training. And you can sign up and watch the training and learn more about the protocol there. Sweet. We will definitely <laughs> link to all of this in the show notes for everyone to check out. So let's pretend, Chef Bay, that... We could go back in time Uh and we went back to where you were at the beginning of this journey, Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for your health, healing endo, just the very beginning precipice of that. What would your advice be to that person that is just considering that's just right there at the beginning of this? What a question. You know, I don't really know how to answer this because for me, I was 11. so. 
it's hard because, you know, a lot of that was like on my mom, just trying to find the best answers for me with what she had. And I think that if you're talking to a doctor who is unsure, it's time to find a new doctor. You know, for me, I remember being like 14, 15, and I had a doctor that was, she was like our family physician, you know, or like the family gynecologist or something. She was Mm -hmm. flipping through this like tiny little booklet after I was on Yaz. So I started Yaz from the time I was 11 to 14, 14, 15, which is like the most intense birth control. It's like super freaking high estrogen. It's, I mean, at least it was. I don't know what it is now. But Yaz was like really strong, you know? So I had like double Bs by the time I was 14. (laughs) That was like... Yeah, I was bumping, you know, and mm-hmm. so I was having just I was like a rageful teenager. I had a lot of rage and I think it's just because I had a lot of like artificial hormones pumping through my body. But uh, so we I just anyway, back to my story. We went to this physician and she was like flipping through this booklet and she's OK, well, you tried. Yeah, let's try this one. And she was like looking at like the hormones like in the booklet for the birth control. And so she put me on. I think it was like ortho tricyclorine. I think everyone was on that when we were in high school. So then I got put on mm-hmm. that one. That one didn't do anything for the endo. Like all my endo problems came back. Blah, blah, blah. Two months later, I was like back in her office and she's like flipping back through the book. And then she's cool. Let's put you on NuvaRing. So then I like get on NuvaRing. And I was on NuvaRing for five days and I was having suicidal depressive episodes, like full yeah. blown episodes and I think it was also a mix of being on and off all these different kinds of birth control but like my mom was like oh my god I remember there was this one minute I felt like I was literally insane I was like laughing and hysterically crying at the same time and my mom was like you need to take that thing you have a ring out like as soon as possible so that we took the new ring out go back in she flips through the booklet put the arm implant in go back in flips through the booklet then she's oh let's put you on the thing that like starts early menopause maybe that will help and oh my, my point God. to this is I wish that I didn't do any of that. I wish that we had looked at her and been like, you clearly like don't know the side effects like and like the severity of what could happen to me. You know, like thinking also about like blood clots and, you know, teenage suicide, like all of these things that are very prevalent that could have easily happened to me with the mindset that I was in. And I wish that, you know, I think my advice would be just that if you're talking to a doctor that doesn't really seem like they really know and have a lot of confidence in your treatment plan it's just time to find someone else <laughs> like it would have saved me like a lot of grief and who knows how much risk switching those that many birth controls had on me for later in life for like cancer or menopause or like any of that stuff so yeah I think that's my biggest advice is to switch and have a lot of confidence in your medical team and if you don't have confidence in your medical team try to find like a naturopathic doctor or someone who a functional medicine doctor or even a Chinese medicine doctor go alternative routes here you know try to do where you can to find someone Mm -hmm. that does have confidence in your healing plan because that is something I still never have never found for me. You know, that's why I took the reins on myself. I have gone to so many specialists. I mean, and I think like for me, it was also a bad thing because I was like, I got to that point and I was like, okay, let me just like pretty much interview doctor after doctor and no one had answers, you know? So that's my biggest advice is to make sure that you do have faith and trust in your medical team and don't make massive life altering decisions unless you have the most trust and confidence in your doctor because that shit is permanent you know like can't undo certain things and you know for me like detoxing off all that birth control took me years took me years Mm -hmm. to feel like myself because I was on birth control from the time I was 11 to 20 25 26 it's a long fucking time you know on top of surgeries on top of being put into early menopause on top of everything so it's like you just want to make sure that you have faith in your medical team and if you don't know then do the research yourself and ask other people who have been in the same situation I mean especially these days it's so much easier to access information than it was back then and really be your own health advocate because it's really the only way you're going to feel better it's the only way you're going to get answers and even if you don't let's say you don't have money or you don't have insurance like there's a lot of resources out there the endo found 
fund is great. There's a lot of resources for you. Just, you know, get loud and don't take an answer that you're not super confident in. You know, if you're scared, like you're scared for a reason. And I would definitely follow that intuition. Agreed. Totally. That fear. It's just, yeah, not to be afraid of doing something different that maybe is what you're feeling intuitively, but it doesn't fit maybe the Western medicine kind of culture. Again, it's just that listening to yourself. I 100% relate. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. On that note, with the holidays coming up, family gatherings, everything that goes along with that. For people's sanity, what do you recommend we start and stop doing for our hormone health, especially over the holidays? Yeah, interesting. I think, (laughs) you know, it's hard because the holidays are like that time where you're just like, fuck it. Let's just, yeah, let's just enjoy ourselves. You know, and I'm definitely that person. Like, for me, I really try to limit my alcohol intake during the year. But for some reason over the holidays, like everyone's like champagne like this. You know, it's hard to avoid it. And for me, alcohol is like a huge trigger for my endo. I think like mm-hmm. the thing to really think about is like, what are your non-negotiables? And to really hold those to your highest regard. So for me, my non-negotiables are sleep. Like you better believe I'm getting nine hours of sleep a night, like no matter what. Like last night, for instance... I was waking up every hour because of like the storm. Like it was just so loud. And I had a 7 a.m. yoga class that I signed up for. And I did not go to the yoga class because I'm like, I'm sleeping. Like that is my like highest non-negotiable because your body cannot heal if you don't get sleep. Like it's literally impossible to deal with the modern world if you are fatigued and sleep deprived. So sleep is number one for me. Everyone has their own non-negotiables, right? My number two non-negotiable is of course a plant-based diet. Like I will always be eating a plant-based diet. I will not touch dairy. Like I, that is highest regard for me is a plant-based diet. Like I have to, even if I'm somewhere where like I'm at a holiday party and it's like only plant-based thing there is to eat and I'm starving is like a Beyond Burger. I'm going to eat that over, you know, over whatever else there is, even though Beyond Burger is processed and whatever. But like horrible. I'm just saying I would rather (laughs) eat that, you know. Yeah. So that's my second non-negotiable. And then I would say my third non-negotiable is prioritizing joy, you know, because I think a lot of times if we have so much stress and panic around food or stress and panic around our symptoms and our cycle, that's also not beneficial either. You know, that's also not going to help you feel better. So really prioritizing that joy and making, you know, if you gain 10 pounds over the holidays, like, fuck it, whatever, you're going to lose it in January, February, you know. Or if, you know, you're with someone and they pop a bottle of champagne, have a glass. Like, it's okay, you know. But I think the most important part of prioritizing joy is not kicking yourself later for doing so, you know. And that's something that I'm constantly working on is just making sure that you're fully in the moment and then you leave it in that moment and you don't carry guilt along later on with you because that is just so important, especially to like minimizing stress and making sure that your body's just in homeostasis is that when you do enjoy those things, you're really enjoying them. Like you're really savoring the moment because fuck, life is short, you know, life goes by really fast. And so you want to make sure you're not guilt tripping yourself for micro moments that really do bring you joy. And then finally, I would say like find movement, like it's important. So I just got a walking, a walking pad for underneath my desk, which I love to walk on. So like on average, if I'm having a day outside the kitchen, I'll walk six miles while I'm working on my computer. And it just happens when I'm not even thinking about it, you know, where I try to go to yoga a couple times a week or walk the dogs or whatever. And, you know, I think living in the world of Instagram and TikTok, we look at movement as, oh, I need to like have this massive transformation or I need to like a weight lift or I need to do this. But you can find like really amazing movement that can not only help you stay active and fit, but it can also help break up scar tissue. It can help like ease cramps. It can help regulate your hormones, your nervous system. And it doesn't have to be this like aggressive thing. You know, it can be something like super mindful or like super low impact like Pilates. So find your movement and stick with it, even over the holidays, because I think it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to get on my routine in January. But I think you're going to feel so much better if you're still on your routine now and then you just like really hit it hard in January. You're not going to feel like you're starting 
from zero, you're just going to feel like you're getting right back into what you've been doing. Love that so much, especially the movement part. Oh my gosh. And honoring your body through that. Like we were talking about earlier for women, especially those phases. And then we beat ourselves up working, doing like a hit workout in the luteal phase. And then you like would gain weight. And it's like not listening to what do I really need right now? What is my body telling me? And just trying to basically work out like men. It just doesn't work doesn't for work. anyone it doesn't work at all it's I mean, not men's light yeah it's so funny <laughs> I like went to a yoga class so like one of my best friends is like one of the most amazing yoga teachers in San Diego and so she also teaches like the gnarliest sculpt class I've ever been to and so I signed up for her regular what I thought was her like regular like vinyasa level two class whatever and it was like a day away from starting my period so i was like oh i'm gonna like stretch it's gonna be a little hot sweat and i fucking show up and it's a sculpt class like it's a literal (laughs) sculpts class and i was dying and i'm not even kidding like my period this last time was rough it was so rough i was so sore i was like getting migraines from my neck being sore I was like, oh, my God, that was like such a terrible mistake that I made. But, you know, I was already there, so I wasn't going to leave. But, yeah, it really is interesting. Once you start working out, like, according to your phases, you really start to notice, like, how much of a beating you'll take if, you know, push yourself too hard when your hormones are super low. Because that's what happens right before our periods. You know, our hormones drop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was rough. Rough stuff. But I'm (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the world expects us to be like in this ovulatory ovulation, like hit aggressive all the time Mm -hmm. in business and working out like men, essentially, because they're, you know, short circuit batteries, 24 hours. And you can totally still do the hit like hardcore. And because I was like that really like intense workouts, that's for your ovulatory, even going into it like follicular phase, but just giving yourself that break and not beating yourself up seeing that, oh, I'm not feeling this way and I did this workout, there's a connection there that needs to be made. And once you start feeling that, it's, oh my gosh, all the stress, at least for me, just melted away of just, you know, the should, the shoulds. And again, that comes from education, like knowing, well, actually, if this was the reason that I was feeling like crap. And some people can, you know, that's the other thing is like some people like are unfazed. Some people have super light cycles. Some people are like, I could totally do this. I'm totally unfazed by it. I think the biggest thing to take away is just like listening to your body and like doing as much much research as you can. And then using that as like a landing spot or a place to keep coming back to and then going from there, you know, because not everyone's cycle looks the same. Not everyone's hormones are the same. Not everyone. Like everything's different for everyone. So it's just like finding what works for you and like finding the education that's going to support you the most and just using that as a baseline, but also realizing, hey, if you're having really shitty periods, are you working out too hard before your period? Like you could just be like running on reserves, you know, because we use so much energy. We need double the nutrients, double the protein. We're like using so much iron when we are in our periods, it's important to remember we need to replenish and we need to rest so that our bodies can do what they're meant to do. Especially as you get older, yeah. like my period is changing because I'm getting older. Yeah. I think my body is, okay, you going to put a baby in here or what? You know, I can feel my body being like, well, what are we doing now? So yeah. 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 And that could be a whole other show. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Just really quick on that, like how many doctors have told sure. me I'll never have a kid. But oh my god, I don't know if I believe it. You know, I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Well, I loved when they, you know, there's that statement, obviously, of yeah, you'll never have a kid. But oh, you know, if you just have a baby, that may help the pain. But I thought you just said that endometriosis is causing fertility. Well, you know, no, I mean, your ovaries look good enough. So again, it's that business aspect of it which having a baby it's such a myth the business of being born yeah yeah the business of being born the business of women's health Mm -hmm. business of ovaries all of that I mean that may be the title for our next episode (laughs) yeah it's so true one I mean that's the case so I think that you know everyone has their opinions based on what they're seeing at the time but like things change your body can heal and there's a lot that you could do especially to promote like pregnancy and fertility And that's something that like I've been working on. I'm not sure if I, you know, if we're going to have kids, we literally might, but it's also, I'm just like supporting my body so that 
if we do decide it's not totally off the table because I just like I don't know if I believe anyone if it comes to anything anymore you know they've been telling me this since I was a kid but I'm also open to the idea that maybe things have changed because my symptoms have changed I've totally managed the disease so it's like why wouldn't that change too you know I think it just depends on your mindset and like what you really want and of course sometimes no matter how hard you think or try like it still doesn't happen for you or you have miscarriages and I know there's so many people who go through that but you know I think there's no harm in trying and believing that it can happen and going from there absolutely perfectly said It's now time for our biohacking with art finale question to close us out. Are you ready? Okay, I think so. And I ask, I love asking this, seeing one thing from many different perspectives. So if you knew you could heal endo with any art medium besides the culinary arts, which would you choose? What would you choose? Besides the culinary art, I would probably say like dancing movement, like that Ooh, kind of. Yeah. I was a ballerina for a long time and I Dang. love dance. I love dance. So, yeah, I think like dancing would be an amazing way to heal endo and express yeah. your body and, you know, feel free. Yeah. Shake up those blockages. Mm-hmm. Just everyone needs to feel and look stupid every once in a while to not take themselves so seriously I think yeah totally (laughs) it's such a good emotional release it's such a good hormonal release it's Mm -hmm. such a great way to just be in your happiness yeah I love dancing it's my faves awesome it has been so real with you today chef bay that rhymes I love that totally (laughs) does I just want to thank you for so generously sharing with us. It's just been such a privilege to have you on and just a privilege to meet someone else that has so many similarities to my story and what I've been through. Like you said earlier, we just live like it's like we live a different life. You suffer in silence and no one really understands and a lot of even the our modern you know system dismisses us and yeah. misses a lot of what we're going through. So just having the bravery to talk about this and shine a light on this, that's how we make change and have that pendulum swing the other way, which I believe it will. Yeah, I totally think so too. And I think that, you know, we just got to keep talking. We got to keep sharing our stories because they're so powerful and, you know, Our stories can be like some of the most painful, traumatic parts of our lives, but they can also propel us into what's next. And I think as a community, I think they can definitely do that too, which is why I think it's so important that we talk about it. Absolutely. So tell us where, and we're going to link to everything in the show notes, but where can people find you, learn more about your work? Where are you at? I'm all over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) You are. Literally. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at chef underscore bay. So that's like a lot of like snackable content. And I have a blog that has like hundreds and hundreds of free endo PCOS friendly recipes at chefbay.kitchen. I also have a podcast called the Plant Remedy Podcast. And we're actually coming back. I'm super excited this week. So the week, what week is it? It's December 12th right now that we're recording this. So I don't know when you're going to launch this, but yeah, the podcast is going to come out this week, which I'm hyped about for biweekly episodes. Yeah, I'm going to get back into doing like solo episodes, which are super fun. So funny. My last podcast episode, I went on like the craziest rant and I like I'm nervous to go back and listen to it. It was all about endo and I love that one. Okay, good. I was like my favorite one. (laughs) I was pissed. I was pissed. I was like doing research and I got super mad about what I was finding. And I just went on the podcast and ranted. (laughs) Yeah, because it's real. It's the truth. It's a that's the facing your shit part. Mm -hmm. So like acknowledgement of look, it's shit. It's not just like bad. It's actually shit. It's yeah, it makes me angry, like angry. You know, that's something I try to like deal with is like my anger towards things but it's a good medium for me but I have a lot of great guests on the show on the Play Remedy pod and what else we're on YouTube but we're like coming up on YouTube now so like I'm super excited about that and Pinterest of course you can pin our recipes and of course our website has tons of resources from 
masterclasses to our 14-day plant-based challenge, which is like a great way to get started. And again, like our free training, if you really want to learn about cycle thinking and you want to learn more about the protocol, that's like a great spot. It's an hour long free training. So it's a great way to like land and get started. Perfect. Love, love, love our conversation. I hope that everyone is able to take away something from this extraordinary conversation with Chef Bay to help them face their shit and heal themselves. And remember, as always, the truth will set you free. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks. If you liked this episode or you think this show would be useful for someone else, the best way you can show your support is to share it on your social media outlets with family and friends or subscribe with the link below to receive exclusive perks. And if you're feeling really generous, please leave a review on podchaser.com, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts and pick up a signed copy of my book about how I healed myself from endometriosis on my Instagram at Meredith W. Ochoa. Thank you so much for listening and for having the bravery to face your shit and heal yourself. <laughs>